Hello and welcome to the Exigen Podcast. In this series, Capstone, we'll be diving into the largest ever comparative utility study in lupus diagnostics. Here to do just that are our two guests, Dr. Deborah Zach, Chief Medical Officer for Exigen, and Tyler O'Malley, Director of Evidence Development for Exigen and co-author of the study. Join us as we explore the unmet need that prompted the study, the end results, and what these discoveries mean for both patients and providers. Dr. Zach, Tyler, welcome to the show. All right, so we've got a few questions. A lot of these questions are actually just going to go back through some of the information that you guys have provided previously, just because you've dropped so many golden nuggets, and we kind of want to pull some of those out and highlight them. So I'm just going to ask uh, Tyler, if you don't mind, for a bit of a recap, could you just restate the name of the study and give a short summary of what it is? Uh, Sure, Clara. The study name is Complement Activation Products versus Standard ANA Testing, Treatment Outcomes, Diagnosis, and Economic Impact in Systemic Lupus Erythematosus. Sort of the overview of the study, as the, the title would suggest, was focused on comparing directly uh, the advised lupus test, which of course incorporates our novel cell-bound complement activation products technology alongside conventional autoantibodies measured uh, as part of the workup for lupus to a more standard approach or more antiquated approach of looking at ANA in combination with extractable nuclear antigen uh, autoantibodies. And the main outcomes we wanted to focus on were comparing directly these two groups, how much more likely is someone to be diagnosed if they're revised positive compared to testing positive by the more conventional approach? How likely are they to start one or more medications associated with lupus treatment if they're revised positive compared to positive by the more conventional approach? And then lastly, what is the impact of revised testing on the downstream care on these patients with a focus on the economic impact. So one thing we talk about often in relation to the advised connective tissue disease test is the diagnostic odyssey that many patients find themselves on. Like the story of the odyssey, many patients find themselves on this long winding journey through multiple providers undergoing multiple rounds of testing uh, only to find themselves back where they began at the end of it all, without any additional clarity or conclusions about uh, what is going on, what is leading to their symptoms that affect their lives. And this test, uh, the, the results of this study demonstrate the advised test is more effective at ending that diagnostic odyssey, both for patients who test positive, as well as for those patients who test negative. Perfect. Thank you. Um, And diving into that just a bit more, could you break down the general numbers? So um, how many patients and physicians were involved in this study? And then how long was the follow-up on patients after testing? Sure. So the approach we took here was to leverage a large integrated uh, electronic health record registry. And 
this registry is comprised of, of EHR data coming from rheumatologists specifically. And in this case, the database we worked with, this came from an upwards of over 300 rheumatologists across the United States. So it gave us a nice cross-section of different rheumatologists' perspectives and whatever biases or sort of individual characteristics that they would they would come with that that was all included here in the study and the number of patients we had to work with was pretty substantial so like any study we went through a couple of rounds of uh, inclusion exclusion criteria to identify the right set of patients for us to make these uh, comparisons that I described before on and uh, initially we started with roughly 23,000 patients who were tested with the uh, traditional ANA approach and approximately 22,000 patients tested with the ELISA lupus approach. From there, we, uh, and that's what we refer to as the main cohort, those, you know, groups of patients that add up cumulatively to um, roughly 45,000 patients in total. And then from there, we wanted to look at a, a particular subset of patients who were newly referred to the rheumatologist. And the way that we defined this was patients who had a new consultation code in their EHR record within 12 months uh, of the time in which they were tested with either of eyes or the tra traditional ANA testing approach. And in that group, uh, we ended up with approximately 8,000 advised tested patients and approximately 18,000 traditional ANA testing uh, patients. And in this new patient cohort, we looked at all the same thing, all the same um, outcomes uh, that I described before, diagnosis, treatment, and economic outcomes. And, and the reason why we focused on this group was that these patients are very much aligned with the intended use of the advised lupus test. That is relatively newly referred patients who are undergoing SLE diagnostic testing due to some level of clinical suspicion for lupus. And what's interesting is that for the most part, we saw when we compared the results in terms of likelihood to diagnose, treat, and economic impact, they were generally stronger in the new patient cohort than they were in the main cohort. Overall, the results were fairly similar, but, um, but we did see slight, slightly stronger results in the new patient cohort, which tells us that when the test is used in, its, in the appropriate intended use context, it leads to the intended effect, which is more accurate diagnosis sooner and reduces overall costs in terms of the need for repeat testing and the need for additional uh, healthcare resources, particularly when the patient's testifies negative. Yeah. I mean, talk about a decent size group. <laughs> That's exciting. And then Dr. Zach, why is it that up to this point, it has been so hard to achieve the level of sensitivity and accuracy that advised testing can accomplish? I'm not exactly sure what you mean by this question, so I'll answer it one way, and then maybe you're actually asking the other. Um, <laughs> uh, one of them is the level of sensitivity and accuracy, obviously adding our um, IP protected elements and the algorithm to it help it uh, help a ton towards achieving the increased and balanced sensitivity and specificity our test has. However, I think what you're really getting after here is how come we couldn't show it at this level before and this volume before? And that's because when we run a trial, 
Um, we, we can't enlist 300, pay, um, 300 providers very easily um, in order to get the data from all of them, whereas the electronic health record system really allows us to look into that um, in a somewhat, they have to be patients that have already been seen, but then we can look at what the results were over time through that mechanism. So you can include far more study sites. And the other part that you, th you think about is, you know, the daily volume we get here, 90% um, of them or more don't have lupus. And so if you're just going to 10, 20 sites and they're, even if they're running um, 20 a piece, that's 400 tests, but you don't have that depth of data that you've got if you're looking at 20,000 tests versus 20,000 tested a different way amongst a whole um, cross-sectional group of providers that really then you can get the kind of statistics that you want to show. Thank you for getting to the heart of that and for expanding on that. I appreciate it. Um, which Okay, so that's great. And it kind of showcases, okay, we've really taken a look at a large body of people and we've kind of really seen these results come through. So Tyler, if you can start us off for providers, what impact does this study have on payers and insurance coverage? Because I know this is a big piece to it that we don't want to miss. Yeah, so in diagnostics, it's incumbent upon us as a provider of diagnostic tests to prove that the technology not only is accurate, so in our case, you know, able to differentiate lupus from other diseases, but also to demonstrate that the test has a positive impact when it's used appropriately. And that really gets to the heart of what we were trying to accomplish here with the study, which was uh, to demonstrate the clinical utility of the test, meaning Outside of the, the research setting where things are very controlled and prescriptive, looking at how the test performs generally in the hands of a broad set of different rheumatologists in the U.S., that the test does have a net positive impact along multiple dimensions. And this is the very type of information that payers are looking for when they evaluate di diagnostic technology for coverage and inclusion in their networks. And this is a very, it, it can be a very challenging process because as you can imagine, payers want to focus on tests based on their value because there's any number of folks who exist in this industry who would like to see their testing covered and adopted broadly, but not everyone is able to demonstrate value. And that's the key to all of this. And it's really the nexus point, too, if you think about it, for patients, providers, and payers, everyone in the system is looking for value uh, to ensure that if a new test comes along and that test introduces some sort of cost to the healthcare system, that in return, the patients end up with better outcomes and in turn, the, the, the payer and their network end up with healthier individuals overall, which means cost savings to everyone. So our belief is that the evidence we've put forth here with our partners is very well thought out, planned, and statistically sound, and demonstrates, as we've said, as we've sort of alluded to before, at a, a sort of a grand scale that the bias test 
delivers on value to the individual and to the healthcare system uh, more broadly. So can't make any promises, but our hope and our expectation is that this really is a meaningful paper that in connection with all the other studies we've done up to this point, really reinforces and solidifies the value of the advised lupus test. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny because I asked this in conjunction with how it's going to impact providers, but I think it just as meaningfully impacts patients um, because the more payers adopt this or agree to cover this and the more insurance companies can cover it, the more patients have access to it. So Dr. Zach, for patients, what is the biggest benefit of advice testing that this study has highlighted? The mere rapidity of and um, lack of having to do things over and over and over again. If you think of the patient journey being um, a, a bunch of spaghetti strands thrown on the ground and they're going round and round and round and round and round. Now take that spaghetti strap and pull it tight from both ends. It's, it's flattened out the journey so that they don't have so many twists and turns. Um, and they can get to where they wanted to be, having a diagnosis, having something done for it, rather than being on that interminable loop of twists and turns and new doctors and new tests. So I think just that impact on the patient journey should be huge for them. Yeah, I love that visual. And, and Dr. Zach, just to add to that, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't emphasize just the stark difference. And, and to me, this was one of the most striking findings of the study, that if you just look at the patients who were tested with the VISE lupus compared to those tested with the TNA approach, repeat testing was three and a half times more common in the patients who started out with traditional ANA testing. And it goes right to your point of these patients being trapped in this endless loop of the diagnostic odyssey. And, and if you sit there and, and, and you ask yourself, well, well how could it be? Why, why on earth would patients be retested at such a rate? The only conclusion I think one can come to is that the providers were entirely unconvinced by the initial results they received. It belies a lack of confidence in the testing they were using. And if nothing else, we hope that the capstone findings present an alternative, a proven alternative that can help physicians get to the answer sooner to the benefit of the patient. Yeah. I mean, in the end, what we're saying is that the capstone study really highlights is that it improves the diagnostic odyssey for those with lupus trying to receive a diagnosis. Wonderful. Thank you both, Dr. Zach, Tyler, so much for your time and for diving into this. Um, I really appreciate it. And yeah, thanks again. Thank you, Clara. Thank you, Clara. You have been listening to Exigen's podcast. For more information about Exigen, please visit the website at www.exigen.com.